Blog Talk Radio. All right, sports fans, how's everybody out there doing? William Martin coming at you one more time here on blogtalkradio.com with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show. As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, the guest call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of October 16th, 2017, I can gladly once again tell the world that Ms. Runner's baby boy is back on the air now don't look now folks but it is this time for the start of a brand new season in the national basketball association now typically the nba season begins around halloween but nba commissioner adam silver had a treat for the players this year because We've seen in recent years where players have complained about the number of back-to-back games that they have to play, four games in four nights, etc. And Adam Silver decided to oblige them by starting the season earlier in the attempt to eliminate the fact that when the NBA does have their nationally televised games, that the stars will be out. And, of course, there was a very big controversy for that last season. But, of course, you know, come postseason – Everybody, you know, they're on top of their game. Why? Because it's all about getting the opportunity to hoist that coveted Larry O'Brien trophy, and that is the most coveted trophy in the world of basketball, as you're talking about it represents the NBA champion. Now, two out of the last three years have seen the Golden State Warriors raise that trophy. And each of the last three seasons have seen the Warriors face the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. Now, are we going to get that matchup for a fourth consecutive year? Or will somebody else have the opportunity to be the NBA champions? Now, you look at the Warriors and you look at what they have been able to do over the last three regular seasons, and you're talking about a team that has won more than 200 games in the regular season combined over the last three years. That's insane. And you look at this Golden State squad, of course, they are top-heavy with stars, and I'm talking about Steph Curry, a point guard, Klay Thompson, a shooting guard. Of course, the acquisition of Kevin Durant last year at small forward was huge. And then you you have their, their glue in Draymond Green. And for me, I look at head coach Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is a guy that he has taken a lot from the people that he's been around because you figure Steve Kerr was a part of several championship teams with the Chicago Bulls. And of course the Zen master and Phil Jackson was running the show there. And if you remember anything from Phil Jackson's coaching career, Phil was a guy who liked to step back and he allowed his players to police the team. And, of course, he looked to his leaders to do that. And, of course, you saw that situation with Michael Jordan with the Bulls and then, of course, with a guy like Kobe Bryant with the Los Angeles Lakers. Phil is the type of guy that likes to let his guys sit back and police the team. Steve Kerr has brought that mentality to the Warriors, but at the same time, 
he's not afraid to take a page out of the book of Greg Popovich. And, of course, Steve Kerr was a part of two NBA championships as a player with the San Antonio Spurs under Greg Popovich. And then, of course, he went on to be an assistant coach under Pop with the Spurs. So Pop is more of a guy that he's a no-nonsense guy, and he likes to get into players and let them know who the boss is. But at the same time, it's successful. And for the Warriors, Kerr knows how to put his arm around them when they need to, when they need to be coddled. But at the same time, he also knows when to get in their face and let them know you need to do X, Y, and Z in order for us to get to the point that we are trying to get to. But you look at the Warriors, three straight trips to the finals, like I said, two championships in the last three years. And for Golden State, Kevin Durant was the difference last year in the NBA Finals versus the Cavs. I mean, there are going to be some people. I know there were plenty of people out there who were upset with Durant last season when he decided to join the Warriors after a successful career with the Golden with the Oklahoma City Thunder, excuse me. And it was a situation KD knew going into the finals that nothing less than a stellar performance was not going to get some of the people off of his back because Kevin Durant is still going to have his critics. So KD went out there, he put up MVP type numbers of course, and he was the finals MVP. And he was a difference maker. Why? Because if you go back to those five games in the finals last year for the Cavs, they had absolutely no answer for Kevin Durant all series all series long. So I think that this Golden State Warriors team, you know, they are still at that championship level. You look at Steph Curry and what he's able to do. It, it did not take him and Durant that long to get on the same page. You look at a guy like Klay Thompson, and a lot of people – think that Klay Thompson is the forgotten splash brother. Klay Thompson actually averaged a career high in points last season as he checked in with more than 22 points per contest. So he just did it quietly because all of the attention was on both Curry and Durant. Now, of course, each of their numbers took a step back during the regular season, but of course, this team is built for the postseason. And, you know, you can't talk about the Warriors being built for the postseason without mentioning power forward Draymond Green. And a lot of people have said it. Steph Curry is a two-time NBA MVP. However, Draymond Green is the MVP of this Golden State Warriors squad because he does a little bit of everything. And we see the difference that he makes when he is on the floor. Now, of course, some of the supporting cast has changed around the Warriors. Both Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston did have the opportunity to leave Golden State over the summer in free agency. However, they decided to come back to Oakland and have an opportunity to win another NBA championship. I think a big signing that a lot of people are not talking about is Golden State picking up Nick Young. And the reason why I'm going to say it is this. Nick Young has always had the potential to be a 20-point scorer throughout his NBA career. However, Nick Young is a guy that is not always focused. And typically when when you're around championship caliber teams, all of the garbage – that is related to a guy throughout his career tends to go out of the window. Why? Because it's all about the culture. And the guys like Curry, Thompson, Durant, and Green, they know where they've been and, they're no, and they know where they're trying to get back to. So I don't think that they're going to allow Nick Young to bring them down. So with that said, I think Nick Young 
is going to be a very solid contributor coming off of the bench for this Golden State Warriors team as they are still looking like the real deal in the Western Conference. Now, who are going to be the teams that could potentially push the Golden State Warriors to advance to the NBA Finals out West? You look at the San Antonio Spurs, and first and foremost, the reason why I bring them up is this. You look at the consistency that this Spurs organization has had. You go back to the 1997-98 NBA season, San Antonio has made the playoffs each year since then. On top of that, with the exception of the 1999 NBA season, which only had 50 games due to the lockout, San Antonio has won at least 50 games in every season, and that is a model of consistency. Faces have changed, but the one, the two guys that have not changed, it's Greg Popovich on the sidelines, and it's R.C. Buford in that front office, and they really have kept the machine going. Now, the Spurs, I really thought, were set to give the Warriors a run for their money last year in the playoffs. And they were actually doing that. San Antonio had a 25-point lead in game one of the Western Conference Finals. And, of course, that series changed when small forward Kawhi Leonard re-injured his ankle against Zaja Pachulia for the Warriors. And, of course, Golden State was able to take advantage of that and win that game and win that series going away. So, you can only sit back and ask yourself what could have been. Now, the, the Spurs have made a few changes to their roster this year. They still have Kawhi Leonard. Granted, he's going to miss the beginning of the season with a quad injury. I was thinking that the Spurs were going to possibly look to trade power for LaMarcus Aldridge because he did not come up for them in those big moments, especially when Kawhi was out in that series versus the Warriors. He really packed up and folded, folded up shop. And for a guy that's getting $20 million per season, I thought he was going to step it up a little bit more, and he didn't. However, the Spurs just gave LaMarcus Aldridge an extension today, so that just shows their commitment to him. They still have a veteran at center in Paul Gasol, who, you know, he's still a good passing big man. He can rebound. He can score in the post as well as with his perimeter shot. But this San Antonio club did pick up small forward Rudy Gay. And Rudy Gay, throughout his NBA career, he's been a very quiet scorer that has gone about his business. And I'm just going to be interested to see how is he going to be able to fit into the San Antonio Spurs system. Of course, you still have the likes of Patty Mills, Tony Parker, Danny Green, and Manu Ginobili in this uh, backcourt for San Antonio. And I don't expect the Spurs this season to come out like gangbusters. But – what I do expect, like it typically happens with San Antonio, come March and come April, you know, they'll begin to get their stride. And once they do, it's basically look out. Because people, for easily for the last five or six years, if not longer, people have tried to write off the Spurs. And they continuously go out there and do what they do. Why? Because San Antonio – is the best in the NBA when it comes to fundamental basketball. And that starts with Greg Popovich because it's not about the individual. It is about the team. You might see a game where Kawhi Leonard has 15 points, nine assists, seven rebounds on a couple of steals and a couple of blocks. But then you might see a game where Kawhi Leonard explodes for 35 or 40 points. It just happens on a given night. And, you know, because of Popovich's philosophy of being unselfish, 
anybody on the Spurs roster can get you for twelve point, for 20 points rather on a given night. So that's what makes this team dangerous, and I think they will still continue to be dangerous this season. Now, you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder, and, of course, you know, Sam Presti got his start in the Spurs front, uh, front office, and now he is running the show as the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, of course, OKC did take a step back last season when Kevin Durant left in free agency to join the Golden State Warriors. And I expected Russell Westbrook to take on the bulk of the scoring load, but I did not expect Westbrook to do what he did last season as he became the first NBA player since Oscar Robertson in 1962 to average a triple-double for the entire season. Now, the only thing with that, and this is the really quirky part about it, yes, Westbrook averaged a triple-double last season. You know, he averaged more than 10 assists per contest, but he really did not make the people around him better. And that really showed in the playoffs when the Thunder lost to the Houston Rockets in five games because it was a situation where the Rockets simply made Westbrook work for everything. And it just showed that, you know what, him by himself was good enough to get OKC to the playoffs, but it wasn't necessarily going to be enough to make them a championship contender once again. So then Presti went out and made a couple of big moves in the offseason. First, he was able to acquire small forward Paul George from the Indiana Pacers, and which was a shocker. And then in another shocker, the Thunder were able to acquire small forward Carmelo Anthony from the New York Knicks. Now, at first, when the Thunder got PG-13 from the Pacers, it looked like, you know, they were going to have their work cut out in front of them as far as convincing him to sign his extension in order to remain there because Paul George only has one year left on his deal. And, of course, there are rumors swirling that Paul George will join the Lakers next summer due to the fact that he is from Southern California. And it was going to take Westbrook some time to convince him to try to stay at OKC. But then once you add Carmelo Anthony to the equation, that changes things because now there is a very good possibility that both Paul George and Westbrook will sign their extensions to remain with the Thunder. Now, I think the biggest thing that the Thunder have to figure out now is who is going to be the guy. Because you look at Westbrook, you look at Paul George, and you look at Carmelo Anthony. And I think Westbrook still has the potential to be up there as far as the leaders for assist this season because you figure – Westbrook is so explosive off of his first step in getting to the basket. And, you know, when Westbrook goes to the basket, he so much attention is given to him. Now, if you're playing OKC defensively, if you peel off of your guy to get Westbrook that extra attention as he's driving to the lane, you're going to leave Carmelo Anthony wide open for the jump shot. And Carmelo will hit those shots consistently. And a guy like PG-13, I think he takes a lot of the ball handling pressure off of Westbrook because, you know, Paul George for for a small forward is a solid ball handler. So I think that really helps the equation for the Thunder. Now you look at the depth for this OKC squad you have. You still got Steven Adams at center. And this guy, you know, all championship teams need a guy like this because Steven Adams is in that role of Kurt Rambis for the Los Angeles Lakers, meaning – He's going to be that guy that does all of the dirty work. 
They brought in Patrick Patterson, the former Houston Rocket. He's going to be a backup uh, coming off the bench for this squad. And they also brought in point guard Raymond Felton. So there is depth there. I just want to see how it's going to work out because now the Thunder are going to have Carmelo in that power forward position. And Carmelo has shown throughout his NBA career that he's not afraid to post up opponents. However, that's against small forwards. So how successful will he be doing it as a power forward? We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, Billy Donovan, the Thunder's head coach, you know, he's shown throughout his career, and this even goes back to his time collegially as a head coach for the Florida Gators. But, you know, he knows how to handle talent, and he knows how to handle egos. So I think if there there probably isn't are too many better guys for the job to try to keep, you know, everybody happy with the Thunder than one Billy Donovan. So folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626 231 Zero three zero nine. I repeat, six two six two three one zero three zero nine. Now there were several big splashes over the summer in the NBA, and one for me that comes to mind was what the Minnesota Timberwolves were able to do. And you look at the Timberwolves franchise, and you have to go back to the two thousand four NBA playoffs to find the last time that the Minnesota Timberwolves actually made the postseason. And it's surprising, you know, and that was the only time that the Timberwolves actually were able to advance past the first round that year. And of course, you know, they made the Western conference finals before they lost to the Los Angeles Lakers. Since then, it's been a lot of bad decisions uh, by their front office. Yes, they did have Kevin Love, but it simply never worked out as far as, you know, love being able to get Minnesota back to the postseason. I think it started with the fact that the T-Wolves simply did not consistently put a good team around Kevin Love. However, their fate has changed in recent years. In trading Love, they were able to acquire the first overall pick from the Cleveland Cavaliers a few years ago, back in 2014, and in, in small forward Andrew Wiggins. Then once you factor that in, with after that, they got the first overall pick the following year, and they used that on center Carl Anthony Towns, and now you're building something. You bring in former Chicago Bulls head coach Tom Thibodeau to be your executive VP of basketball operations as well as your head coach, and we saw what Thibs was able to do during his tenure with the Chicago Bulls, and now he sought out to change the culture with Minnesota. And looking at this year's Timberwolves squad, they're basically Chicago Bulls West because the Bulls, pardon me, the Timberwolves rather, were able to acquire small forward Jimmy Butler from the Chicago Bulls during the NBA draft, and that really changed the dynamic of things. Why? Because you look at Jimmy Butler, this is a guy that Thibodeau drafted with the Bulls. Year by year, his numbers have continued to get better and now he is one of the best two-way players in the NBA. He's, he's a solid defender, he's a solid scorer, and he has that gritty toughness that a guy like Thibodeau seeks from his team. And I think what Jimmy Butler gives this young Timberwolves team, number one, he's a guy that knows what Thibodeau wants on the floor. But on top of that, he's a guy that's not afraid to take the last shot. And defensively, he's not afraid to go out there and guard the opposing team's best perimeter player in those clutch moments. So I think that is going to pay dividends 
for this squad. But you look at Minnesota right now, they have some depth. They also picked up another former Chicago Bull and power forward, Todd Gibson. And this is a guy like Butler. He played for so many years under Thibodeau with the Bulls, and he knows this system like the back of his hand. They bring in a, a couple of good quality point guards. You bring in uh, Jeff Teague, the former Atlanta Hawk and Indiana Pacer. And this is a guy that, for my money, I think he's been underrated. And I think he fits Thibodeau's system more than Ricky Rubio did last year. Remember, Ricky Rubio was contemplating retiring because he could not see eye-to-eye with Thibodeau, and he ultimately ended up with the Utah Jazz. So for me, I think, you know, bringing in Jeff Teague was big. Bringing in Aaron Brooks was big as well. He didn't play with the Bulls as long as Butler and Gibson did under Thibodeau, but Aaron Brooks is a guy – He's been on several NBA teams throughout his career, and this guy just plays with a chip on his shoulder because he plays basketball in the, with the mindset that somebody's trying to take it away from him. And those are the type of guys you need on your team. So I, I really think the acquisitions of both Teague and Brooks were big. Also, I like the fact that Minnesota was able to pick up former Los Angeles Clippers guard Jamal Crawford. And in Jamal Crawford, what they get – is a three-time NBA six-man of the year. This guy has been instant offense coming off the bench. Of course, you know, he started off with the Bulls years ago. This was before Thibs, you know, and then he had his tenure with the New York Knicks. But, you know, during his time with the Clippers and the Portland Trailblazers, this guy has really asserted himself as a six-man. And he, like I said, he is instant offense coming off of this bench. I think as the year progresses, Minnesota, they're going to continue to improve on the defensive end because that is right up Thibs' alley and that's what he needs to be successful. But I think this season will end with the Timberwolves being a postseason team. And I think not only will Minnesota get to the playoffs, I think Minnesota has the ability to do some damage once they are there just due to their depth and on top of that, their size. Because you also have a guy like Gorgie Jane coming off of the bench who can block shots and rebound, and that really changes the dynamic of what a team can do against you offensively. And then you look at their length. Andrew Wiggins is a small forward, but he's 6'9". You got Jimmy Butler, who's 6'6", 6'7". You got Carl Anthony Towns, who's 7 feet. That's a lot of length right there. Gorgie Jing is is 6'10". So that really changes the dynamic of what teams uh, can do. And, you know, I've talked about these teams, and here's another – interesting squad in the Western Conference, and that's going to be the Los Angeles Clippers because for the past few years, the Clippers have been a perennial playoff team, but, you know, they've been overshadowed by what the Spurs and the Warriors have been able to do. And honestly, I think the title window has closed on the Clippers. And part of the blame for that goes to their head coach, Doc Rivers. Now, Doc Rivers has been with the Clippers since 2013, and, you know, he was brought in. He got he got a front office role along with the head coaching uh, role, and it just has not worked out. The Clippers, they've been good. They've been good enough to make the playoffs, but they simply have not been good enough to get past the second round. And you go back a few years when they were up 3-1 on the Houston Rockets in the Western Conference semis, and they could not seal the deal. And, you know, the Warriors have taken off since then. The Spurs are still tough. I know that the Clippers did beat the Spurs in a playoff series a few years ago. But the thing is, the time is gone. And I think the biggest thing that has hurt the Clippers over the past few years, they don't have a go-to guy in a clutch. And now 
they now you, you trade Chris Paul because Chris Paul got immensely frustrated with Doc Rivers last year. And honestly, I don't blame him because you had a deal on the table to get Carmelo Anthony from the Knicks. And the holdup in the trade was the fact that Doc Rivers did not want to trade his son, Austin. And I don't blame Chris Paul for getting upset with that because Doc Rivers, if you're Doc Rivers, you're worried about nepotism. If you're Chris Paul, you want to get a championship. And Carmelo would have been the guy that helped you get that, especially since you would not have had to give up Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan to do it. So the Clippers ended up trading Chris Paul this summer to the Houston Rockets when he let them know that he would not sign his extension. And in trading Paul to the Rockets, the Clippers were able to get a King's ransom for him. They got eight players and they got a draft pick. But the only thing is you give up a lot at the point guard position. I mean, you have immense depth right now. You get the likes of Montrezl Harrell. You get the likes of Lou Williams, who's going to be a tremendous scorer. And honestly, He's going to make people forget about Jamal Crawford with this team very quickly because Lou Williams is another guy who's been a solid scorer throughout his career uh, coming off the bench. You also get a youngster at small forward and Sam Decker who could be a contributor. And I think a lot of that has to do because it's a change of philosophy in this Clippers front office right now. Now, Doc Rivers has the focus on being a head coach. Steve Ballmer, the team owner, took that, you know, general manager title away from him. Now you also bring in Jerry West as a consultant. And, of course, you know, we've seen what Jerry West has done throughout his career in the front office, all of those years with the Los Angeles Lakers. Then he went on to the Memphis Grizzlies. In the past few years, he's been a consultant with the Golden State Warriors. Had an opportunity to come back, but he just his heart was just in Southern California. That's all it was. And you look at it now, things are going to change. The Clippers did re-sign Blake Griffin. Unfortunately, he has not shown throughout his career that he can stay healthy. And I think the biggest thing for the Clippers right now, they still don't have that guy. And at some point, I think that there's going to be a big trade this season involving the Clippers, who they're going to get back. Uh, I don't know, but I, I, I really think at some point there's going to be a lot of shuffling with his squad. I mean, the Clippers have a lot of depth, but I don't expect this roster to remain like this throughout the NBA season. Now, I just mentioned the Houston Rockets. They're another playoff contender out West. And I mean, you talked about them getting Chris Paul and they had to give up so much to get him to team. And now they're teaming him with James Harden and they had a deal on the table. And I mean, Chris Paul just has bad, bad luck because uh, he played for the Clippers last year, and they had a they had a deal on the table to get Carmelo Anthony, and it fell through. And just before the start of training camp this year, the Rockets had a deal on the table to get Carmelo Anthony, and it looked good, and that fell through. And you know, CP3, of course, he's real cool with Carmelo, LeBron, and Dwayne Wade. And I really thought if the Rockets would have been able to get Carmelo to Houston. I thought I thought it would have been a slam dunk for them to get LeBron next season in free agency. We'll have to wait and see. But now you team Chris Paul with James Harden. And James Harden really put up MVP, MVP caliber numbers last year as he led the league in assist. And on top of that, you know, he was one of the best scorers in the league as well. And, I, I you know, I was wrong because last year – when Mike D'Antoni became the head coach of the Rockets, I thought it was a joke for him to put James Harden at the point guard position and move him from two guard. 
But James Harden took it and ran with it. And not only did he score, but he made the people around him better. Now you're moving Harden back to the two guard to take a little bit of the ball handling off of him. And now that that's going to be Paul. That's going, that's going to be Paul's job. But the biggest thing with the Rockets for me, they gave up so much depth to get Chris Paul. That's their biggest thing. And I think that is going to hurt them in the Western Conference. I think the Rockets are still going to be a very exciting team. I think Chris Paul has something to prove, but I just don't see it overall uh, for them, you know, as far as being a contender. Now, I think that the teams that I've mentioned here, the Warriors, the Spurs, the Rockets, the Timberwolves, the Thunder, the Clippers, I think that they are all locks. Uh, to make the postseason out of the Western Conference. I mean, there are going to be some teams that are going to be fighting for those final two spots. And, I mean, you look at the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets, they've been close to the playoffs over the last few years, and they were very close last year. They missed uh, the final playoff spot in the West by one win as that honor went to the Portland Trailblazers. And looking back on it, Denver probably has – like, they, they probably regret the fact that they were only 1-3 in three in the regular season versus Portland last year because that really – you know, could have changed things. A break here, a break there. We're talking about the Nuggets as a playoff team. They traded Danilo Gallinari, and he's now with the Los Angeles Clippers. But you have an emerging star in center, Nikola Jokic, who has shown in a very short time that he can be the real deal. They were able to sign power forward Paul Millsap from the Atlanta Hawks over the summer. And this is a guy throughout his NBA career that has been very underrated. And I think it's due to the markets that he played in. I mean, he spent a chunk of his career with the Utah Jazz. And, of course, he went to Atlanta. And granted, Atlanta is not a big market. But I think Millsap is a guy who has really flown under the radar throughout his career. Um, I think it comes down to the point guard position. And Denver has a couple of youngsters there, and Emmanuel Moutier and Jamal Murray. And I think having a veteran like Jameer Nelson – who has seen the battles in the NBA for so many years, I think he could really be a shoulder to lean on for those young ball handlers on this Nugget squad for head coach uh, Mike Malone. Now you look at the Portland Trailblazers, and for Portland, they overachieved during the 2015-2016 NBA season. They came back and underachieved last year, and I think a big reason why the Portland Trailblazers underachieved last season was due to their fact that they really lacked ball movement. I saw too much iso ball between point guard Damian Lillard and shooting guard C.J. McCollum. And granted, the players in the, in the Blazers' front court, for the most part, most of them don't have the ability to create their own shot consistently. But if you're Lillard, you got to try to go out there and make those guys better. And how do you do that? You move more with the ball. You try to get those guys active in the offense as opposed to holding it. There's there's really nothing ever good that comes out of holding the ball for the majority of the possession. Now, last year Portland was able to acquire center, center Yusuf Nurkic from the Denver Nuggets, and in a very short period of time before he got hurt, he showed that he could be a big impact player for this Blazers team. Myers Leonard at center can crash the board as – as can Ed Davis, and I think a guy to look out for is rookie power forward Caleb Swanigan. He was a double-double machine last year in college for the Purdue Boilermakers, and if the Blazers do use him properly, I think he could be a force uh, for them once again. 
Now, the Utah Jazz, they have to try to go out there and figure out how to deal with the loss of Gordon Hayward. Of course, Hayward was their best player last year, but he decided to leave in free agency and join the Boston Celtics. And, of course, that changed it to dynamics for the Celtics as well. I'll get to that in a minute. But now Utah is without that that like that star or that good perimeter player. Now this team is going to be focused more around center Rudy Gobert. And throughout Gobert's excuse me, brief NBA career, he has continued to improve. And you're talking about one of the better, if not the best shot blockers in the NBA. Why? Because this guy is 7-1. And when you bring his wingspan into the equation, you're dealing with a guy that's 7-9. You're not going to score on that that much off, that, that often. Now, of course, scoring-wise, Gobert took a back seat to Hayward in the Jazz offense. But I think now he's going to get more of, you know, his, his fair share of touches. They were able to pick up Ricky Rubio, and I think this offense suits Rubio more than it was for him in Minnesota on the Thibodeau. And I think for Ricky Rubio, he could have a big impact on this team, especially with bigs such as Gobert and Derek Favors up front. Now you look at the Dallas Mavericks, and of course – the Mavericks had their championship run when they got the NBA title back in 2011. And since then, Dallas, you know, they've been trying to keep it together with spit and glue, and it just has not worked. Uh, I mean, you still have Dirk Nowitzki, but, I mean, how much more, you know, does Dirk have left in the tank? And I think Dallas understands that it's time to go forward. They were able to pick up small forward Harrison Barnes last year, and Barnes had his best NBA season. I mean, granted, he's no longer in the shadow of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson with Golden State, and he, he almost averaged 20 points per game last year. And I think he has the ability to, to be a 20-point scorer this season for the Mavs. Wes Matthews is still one of the better perimeter defenders at shooting guard. Seth Curry was really improving last year, and, I mean, things changed once, you know, Curry got injured, and he's going to miss the start of this season with that leg injury, but excuse me, Curry can come back and have an impact as a perimeter shooter for this club. I think the teams that passed on point guard Dennis Smith Jr. in the NBA draft are going to regret it as he fell into the Mavericks lap at pick number nine. And this guy has shown in the summer league that he is the real deal. And I think that is going to transcend over to the regular season for the Mavs, and like I said before, he's he's going to make a lot of people regret not taking him. Now, you look at the New Orleans Pelicans under head coach Alvin Gentry. The talent is there. I'm just not sure that Alvin Gentry is the guy to harness it enough for them to be a postseason team. Remember a few years ago, Pelicans made the playoffs as an A seed, and they looked like they were building something. And surprisingly, this team decided to fire head coach Monty Williams and bring in Alvin Gentry. And it has not been right ever since. Now, last season we saw New Orleans acquire center DeMarcus Cousins from the Sacramento Kings. And now Cousins is on that front line for the Pelicans with another former Kentucky alum and Anthony Davis. And, I mean, once you peel back the surface on the squad, you're talking about 50 points and 25 rebounds a night right there, at least, between the two of them. 
But where are you going to get the other 50 or 55 points from? That's the big thing. I mean, if you're a Drew Holiday and you're at point guard for the Pelicans, there's no reason why you shouldn't be top five in assists this year. Just simply getting the ball to Davis and Cousins consistently. At the same time, this team also signed Rajon Rondo. And, of course, Rajon Rondo is going to miss some time after having that sports hernia surgery. But if you're Alvin Gentry, do you put both Rondo and Holiday in the lineup at the same time? And we've seen throughout Rondo's career, Rondo can be a headache for teammates and coaches alike. So I really don't – you know, I, I really don't see this ending well this season. I think the perfect guy to coach this team is not even affiliated with the NBA right now, and that's one John Calipari who is currently – the head coach of the Kentucky Wildcats. And if I'm the Pelicans and I'm owner Tom Benson, I'm on my private jet to Lexington, and I'm basically telling Calipari, I'm going there with a blank check, and I'm just asking him to fill it in. Because you have a situation where Cousins is going to be a free agent after this season. And the Pelicans gave up a lot to get Boogie from Sacramento last season. They gave up both of their picks this year in the draft, first and second round. Excuse me. So they had absolutely nothing to work with. So if you are New Orleans, you got to go out there and you got to make it happen, plain and simple. Now, there's finally going to be a buzz around the Los Angeles Lakers again, and it hasn't been like that for a while. I mean, the Lakers are coming off for four consecutive years without a trip to the postseason. That's unheard of. Excuse me. And now you have Magic Johnson back into the fold. And he's a Lakers team president. And, of course, we know what Magic, you know, did as a basketball player and also what he has gone on to do and the success that he's having in the business world. And this guy is also a part owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, of course, the Dodgers are two victories away from their first World Series appearance since 1988. But you look at this team, the Lakers went into the draft last year with the second overall pick. And, you know, we know about, you know, the Lonzo Ball situation where his father, LeVar, wanted him to play for the Lakers. They did not work out for any other team. And there's a lot of hype around this kid. And I think I think that Lonzo Ball will be a good player. I just think the problem is, you know, the father. And I know that the father is trying to build, you know, their family brand. But, you know, LeVar has been outspoken and he's been a critic of, you know, coaches and, you know, other players. And he's, all, he's already put a ton of pressure on his son going into the NBA, talking about he's better than Steph Curry already. And I'm like, Steph Curry's a two-time MVP and a two-time world champion. So, I mean, let's not get it twisted. Your kid, you know, he hasn't proven anything yet in the NBA, not to say that he's, you know, not good. But my biggest thing with this Lakers team is this. This Lakers squad is young. What happens if the Lakers lose five games in a row? Is LeVar Ball going to open up his mouth? Because, I mean – I'm not worried about Lonzo Ball saying as much as I am LeVar. And once you bring that equation into somebody who's criticizing the team or criticizing the coaching that isn't even out there, that causes problems within the locker room. Now, this Laker team, like I said, they are young. You have Brandon Ingram, who was a second pick in the 2016 draft, and he spent the majority of his rookie season coming off of the bench. The Lakers more than likely are going to insert him in the starting lineup now. And this is a guy – who the sky is the limit on because there really isn't that much that, you know, he cannot do on the basketball floor. And I, I, I really, you know, you see him 
and you see the potential there to be a rebounder, to be a facilitator. I mean, I really think he, I really think he's going to be able to take, you know, that next step of playing, especially, you know, playing alongside uh, Lonzo Ball heading into the season. Looks like we have a caller, so I'm going to bring that caller in. Caller, welcome to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show. Brother Martin. Hey, hey, how you doing, man? Going on, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Nothing much, man. I was just uh just talking about the Lakers here and I I think that I, I well, think you, that you and I can yeah. agree that, that 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 this is gonna be an improved team. I just don't think they're gonna have enough to be a playoff team this year. You know, um I'm getting a lot of different angles in terms of the Lakers making the playoffs. You know, uh, I did the Above the Rim podcast with uh, Just Blake. He picked the Lakers to make the playoffs. All the things that I've read thus far, I have the Lakers on the outside of the playoffs. As a Lakers fan myself, um, I'm hopeful if, if Lonzo Ball is this transcendent talent that people say he is, then the bottom of the Western Conference, it's set up to where you can't actually rule it out if he is indeed special. But generally speaking, I think it's kind of outlandish to, to have the Lakers in the playoffs without actually seeing the product on the floor in a regular season environment, you know. But what I really called in for, it was the comments about LeVar Ball. I, you know, I'm all about the big ball of brand. I like the idea of it. But – I feel as though you're giving him a little bit too much credit, William. I, I'm not sure if, if, if LeVar Ball is going to be the distraction that you think he might be if the team goes left. I just don't, I don't see it that way. Well, I mean, I think Magic Johnson really had to do his homework on this. But, I mean, mm-hmm. my whole thing is, you know, from what I've seen, you know, Leopard, you know, doesn't change his spots. And, I mean, right. you, you, saw, you saw what happened on the AAU circuit. Uh, you've seen, right. you know, what, what has happened, you know, on the high school circuit as well. And, you know, what he's done, you know, he's going out there and, you know, he's trying to, you know, build up the family brand. And, I mean, he does have support. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the pressure that you're putting on your kid because you look at it and Lonzo's going to have now an unnecessary target on his back. I mean, you go back to that NCAA tournament game last season when uh, UCLA was in, eliminated by Kentucky. And, you know, De'Aaron Fox really went out there to embarrass, you know, Lonzo Ball, and he did. He dropped 39 on him. I mean, he dropped, and that was an, that was an easy 39. And, I mean, it's a situation. Lonzo Ball is good, and I, I, and I really think he has talent because, I mean, he can, we, we saw, you know, the passing ability last year at UCLA when he led the league, pardon me, not led the league, but led the country, rather, uh, in assists. And, I mean, there are people – that will say that Lonzo Ball's ability made T.J. Leaf a first-round pick last year. But, I mean, my biggest thing is because, I mean, the Lakers are still young. They're going to go on a losing streak. And, I mean, granted, every team does. But, I mean, this is this, this is still a young Lakers team because, I mean, granted, you bring in a center like Brooke Lopez. And he's, you know, Brooke Lopez is, is a professional. I really think, you know, that he was underrated, you know, or underappreciated, rather, uh, with his time with the Nets. But then, I mean, you look around this, this roster, and you still have some youngsters there. Tyler Ennis, you know, the rookie Josh Hart, you know, Jordan Clarkson. 
Uh, Brandon Ingram, he's just going in his second year, and you also have Julius Randle and Larry Nance Jr. as well as Kyle Kuzma. So there's a lot of, you know, youth there. So I, I think they really they got to find a way to channel out all that white noise, and they got to rely on their veterans like Brooke Lopez. You still got Corey Brewer on this roster. You know, KCP, I think that was a big acquisition for the Lakers, you know, the former Detroit Pistons. But I think it's going to be a work in progress. And, I mean, for the guys like, you know, Lonzo Ball – they still have to get, or they need to get uh, custom rather to that NBA 82 game schedule. I think what's going to help him this year and the other rookies is the fact that it's spread out more because this is mid October and we're talking about this because typically, you know, the NBA season begins around Halloween. So you're not going to have as many back to backs as you did. But I mean, granted, you know, in college, what are you playing? 30 games? So, I mean, you have to deal with a dynamic as well as being a professional. I think they're going to be more exciting. I think there's definitely more of a buzz around this squad, and I think it starts with, you know, Magic Johnson coming in and also, you know, drafting Lonzo Ball. But I think the other moves that Magic was able to make, you trade you trade D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov and you get a pick for it, and Brooke Lopez. And that pick in Kyle Kuzma, he was really tearing it up during the preseason. And, you know, Brooke Lopez – this is his free agent year, so he's going to go out there. He's going to be a solid guy. He's never played in a triangle before, but I think Luke Walton is really going to simplify things for him, and I think Brandon Ingram is really going to grow. I think he's going to take that big step from year one uh, to year two, so I think the Lakers are going to be exciting. I think one more piece before they can be a playoff team, and I think a, a few pieces and some more seasoning before – you know, we're talking about this team being a top squad in the West because, I mean, the West is real top-heavy this year. You look at Minnesota, you know, you look at San Antonio, you look at OKC, you look at Golden State, you still got the Rockets and the Clippers in the mix. So I think those six teams right there, barring, like, significant injuries or locks, I think everybody else has a fight for those last two spots. And then, you know, you bring in – you think about Utah, you think about Portland, you think about Denver – I, you know, those teams are going to be in a mix. So I, I think it's going to be tough for the Lakers to get over all of that in order to be a playoff team this year. You gave me a lot of information there to unpack. But uh, in terms of the white noise, mm-hmm. these guys, when it, when it comes to LeVar Ball, and the issue point with that, you get granted the the AAU and the whole target thing. Like Lonzo Ball, his disposition is is the perfect foil for whatever his father is gonna be. Um, we've already seen it thus far. You know, he he has the typical nerves of a rookie, but his game is his game. If he was a scorer and a person who needs to do X, Y, and Z to play, I might be a little more concerned. But being mm-hmm. that he is a facilitator, being that he is a true point guard. I'm not necessarily worried about his game translating. I believe that this guy is going to hit the ground running. In the NBA game, in the NBA world, and the way the Lakers are set up, speaking as a Lakers fan, he follows what they do as an organization. The ball ball is going to be more, no more than a mascot. It's not going to be taken seriously. It's too many, it's, it's too many powers within that organization to allow a LeVar ball to flourish in that regard. He's going to be treated as the mascot. You have Magic Johnson. You have the Bus family, Genie specifically. They're not going to let that kind of thing go on within the organization. So I'm not necessarily concerned about that. The biggest concern with this team, beyond all of that distractions, 
No. It's just about you. You know, how how they learn how to play together. Can Luke find the right grouping in terms of personnel? What are you going to do with Julius Randle? Is he going to start? Is he going to come off the bench? Who Who's going to be the power forward to run next to Lonzo Ball? Is it going to be Kyle Kuzma? Is it going to be Larry Nance? You brought in uh, Brooke Lopez. You referenced the triangle. We're not necessarily – the triangle, as we know it, isn't necessarily run anymore. Like, what you see in Golden State is the, the variate, is a variation of the triangle. It's triangle adjacent, more or less. You're going to see certain elements of it in L.A., but it's not going to be too triangle heavy. But really what it is to me is just about you learning how to play together, getting your right personnel groupings, and then finding out what other ingredients you need. In reality, if you ask me, I'm looking at this team to be about top out of 35 wins. The Lakers fan in me wants playoffs. But reality, 30 to 35 wins for this team if everything breaks right. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think that the Lakers are a 35-win season uh, uh, team as well. I, I, think, I think it's safe to say that you could say that the Lakers are the best or the worst. And I, I say that from the standpoint that, you know, they're going to be better than the majority of the non-playoff teams out west. And I, I I think the biggest thing, like you said, you know, the youth, and I also uh, I also think that you know the fact that the West is so top heavy, I think that is going to be the one thing uh, that's going to hold them back. I mean, last year, I mean, we saw them. You know, they started off so strong, and you know, then they faded as the season went on. And I mean, a lot of the youngsters they hit that rookie wall, and then at the same time, you know, the losses you know piled up, and you know, they were still trying to figure out what it took to be a winner in the NBA. But I, I think I think Luke Walton is the right guy for that team. And I you know, I think Magic I think Magic's the right guy to run that front office because Magic, you know, when you think about the Lakers, I mean, he's one of the first names that comes out of your mouth. Like when you think about the all time Laker greats and you know, he knows I mean he, he loved, you know, Dr. Jerry Buss and of course, you know, his daughter Jeannie's running the running the show now. So I mean, he knows what it takes to win in that town, and he knows what it takes to put that uh, winning uh, formula together. So I mean, I think that they are going to be, you know, a team that you really have to pay attention to uh, this season. Now, sticking with the West, and I want to get your opinion on on a few things because uh, you know I was talking about the teams because I, I I mean I still think the Golden State is a class of this conference, but I mean you look at the Spurs. And a lot of people forget they were up 25 points versus Golden State last year in game one of the conference finals. And then, of course, Kawhi got hurt, and that series changed. Now, aside from the Spurs, do you think that there is another team that can really push Golden State in a seven-game playoff series in the Western Conference? Uh I heard you talking about them earlier, and you kind of poo-pooed them to a certain degree. But it's the Rockets. It's it's not even it's not even OKC. It's the Rockets. If you look at what the Rockets did last season, or what could have been done if, if D'Antoni had made a couple of tweaks against the Spurs, they would have been in the conference finals last year. So now you add Chris Paul to that mix, along with what they want to do offensively and how they approach the game the spacing, the creativity, the three-point shooting, people should be really afraid of the Houston Rockets because now you have two creators on that team. And the thing is, 
you know, there's a lot of cliche and a lot of like classic talk about oh, there's not enough balls to go around and all this and that. Listen, if if James Harden was the person who's front line to bring in a Chris Paul, it's evident that he's prepared to be on the ball less. He had an experience mm-hmm. of being primary guy at that level, running a system like what D'Antoni does, and he realizes that he can't do that for an entire season. He was gassed by the end of that Spurs series. So he preferred to not be on the ball as much. So the concerns about him sharing the spotlight and sharing the basketball with Chris Paul is kind of overstated. He knows what he's getting himself into. And Chris and, and James Harden going back to his OKC days, he's one of the most low-key, one of the most unselfish players in the league. He doesn't need it the spotlight. He doesn't need the ball. He's really good when he has the ball, but if you need him to play a different position on that team, he can do it. And I think those two guys in the backcourt creating for those other shooters in Houston, they're a dangerous team. People need to really put some respect on the Houston Rockets. They're coming. Well, see, my biggest thing with the Rockets, I I think the acquisition of Paul was big. My biggest thing is you know, they gave up their depth to get CP3 because you're talking about they gave up eight guys and as well as a draft pick. And, I mean, for me, you know, some of those guys, they were key reserves, you know, like your you know, Patrick Beverly's and your Lou Williams's of the world. But, I mean, they still have Ryan Anderson and they still have Trevor Ariza, but the depth simply isn't there. And I also think what's, what's going to hurt the Rockets, I mean, they had that deal on the table to get Carmelo and then it fell through. I really thought, you know, you had Carmelo, Chris Paul, and James Harden on the same squad. I'm like, that would have been tremendous. My biggest thing with Chris I mean, Paul, he's still wondering. Yeah, but Go ahead. You still have Eric Gordon and you got Chris mm-hmm. Paul. At the end of the day, the NBA is a talent game. And if, you, right. if you're telling me I got to give up to get a, a, a Chris Paul, I'm doing it. Well, see, my see my other thing with that was that, okay, you look at Chris Paul and two of the people that have consistently, you know, given him problems throughout his career at the point guard position have been Steph Curry and, you know, Russell Westbrook. And it's it's because of their speed mm-hmm. off, off, of, off of the dribble. And you're talking about, Very you true. know, having to go up, you know, having to go up against those guys, you know, in a playoff series. It's going to be tough, man. Me personally, I think, you know, aside from the Spurs, I think two teams that the Warriors need to be really be focused on in a playoff series. I got to say the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I have to say, <laughs> I, um, I I got to say Oklahoma City. And the reason why I say Minnesota first and foremost is this: they have a legit guy that can score up front, and Carl Anthony Towns. You have you know a guy like Jimmy Butler, who's one of the best two way players in the NBA. And you have Andrew Wiggins, and I mean Andrew Wiggins is still young, so he's still, you know, figuring it out, and he's still averaging more than twenty points per game. But typically, one of the biggest things that things that the Warriors have not had to deal with over the past few years in the playoffs is consistently going against teams with guys that have legit post players. Now you get that with Carl Anthony Towns. You also have Todd Gibson coming off of the bench, so I think that is going to be the dynamic there now. With Tom Thibodeau bringing in a lot of his ex-Bulls players, you get Todd Gibson, you get Aaron Brooks, you get Jimmy Butler. I think Golden State, pardon me, not Golden State, Minnesota, they're going to focus more on playing defense because that's one of the things that has held them back. And I think you have that go-to guy, you know, in Jimmy Butler as well. Because, I mean, let's face it, you're not going to outscore Golden State. I don't care who you are. If, if Golden State is scoring 125, you're lucky if you score 115. You simply are not going to outscore them. I mean, 
the one game that Cleveland got against them in the finals last year, look how many three-point shots that they had to make to do it. So I, the thing is you got to try to slow them down. And I think, you know, but, Minnesota is, a, is equipped for that. Well, William, here, here's the issue mm-hmm. with that, that, that you, mm-hmm. you're not accounting for. You are. didn't give you a chance to get there yet. But as, mm-hmm. as, as much as the, the concept of Minnesota sounds great, what we're ruling mm-hmm. out and we're forgetting here when it comes to Golden State is the fact that Minnesota, with Tom Thibodeau as the head coach here, let's not forget that, mm-hmm. they're going to be very easy to defend. And Golden State is one of the best, if not the best defensive team in the league. They have zero spacing. The ball movement is going to be shaky. So you're telling me that the best team in the NBA the past three years has to defend those guys? And, I, and if I'm a Warriors fan, I need to be concerned. I, I disagree. They're going to be so easy to defend that Golden State will have no trouble defeating them. You got the, the thing about Golden State is outside of when you looked at what they did against Ground, Grindhouse a couple years ago when you had a, a Marcus Soule and a Zebo, they gave them some right. trouble. But beyond that, the teams that have given Golden State the biggest problems of are teams that have multiple wing-type players or backcourt players that can put pressure on you. You know what I'm saying? You, you right. I, I go back to Kyrie and LeBron for three consecutive years put a lot of pressure on them. If you go back to Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum the past two years, they put a lot of pressure on them. They just didn't have the people. Right. A year before, it was a better series than last season. You know what I mean? Right. If you look at teams mm-hmm. have dynamic wing players, if James Harden had help, you know, things would have been a little more interesting. Now you add a CP. I'm telling you, wing players give them problems because at some point when you have that second wing, it puts Steph Curry in a position where he has to defend as opposed to being hidden on defense. Minnesota and the style of play they want to play in that is going to be that jammed-up paint area. You can probably stick Steph on one of a, a stick him on, a, on a, a Wiggins because Wiggins' chances are, with what they do offensively, they end up standing around a lot of the time. He's not going to be moving. He doesn't have the consistent three-point shot to where you have to worry. So if I'm Steve Kerr, I'll just stick Steph on Wiggins because he's just going to be standing there anyway. Well, I mean, like, I mean, you talked about the Memphis Grizzlies, and, of course, you know, Memphis, you know, was always – I mean, they were a tough out for a lot of people, you know, especially uh, Golden State. You know, a lot of that was due to the fact that they played D, and, you know, they had Zebo and uh, Marcus all up front. I, I, I think the biggest thing that hurt, you know, Memphis in those series was the fact that, you know, they didn't have a consistent perimeter guy. And, you know, just to piggyback off of what you said, Andrew Wiggins, he's not a consistent perimeter guy, you know, at this point. But the thing is – you still have Jimmy Butler. He's not – he himself is not a, per, a, a consistent perimeter guy, but what they will do – I mean, guys like that, they're going to make, you know, Klay Thompson and they're going to make, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, have to work at the defensive end of the floor as well. And they're not going to make it as easy, you know, for these guys to score on the perimeter because, I mean, Andrew Wiggins is 6'9 with length. You know, you're talking about Jimmy Butler – you know, he's one of the better perimeter defenders in the NBA. You know, Thibs is going to go out there and try to get these guys to play D. And then you have you have a rim protector, rather, you know, a Gorgie Ding. And then you have Carl Anthony Towns. And, I mean, when Cat's on top of his game, that's 25 and 15 right there. So, I mean, I think, you know, Minnesota can be a problem. I th- I don't think that they're going to come out of the gate and be, you know, a finished product because all of these guys, they're going to have to gel. They're going to have to gel with each other. I think, you know, come February, you know, uh, March, you know, they're they're really going to get it flowing. But I think, 
I think the biggest thing for them was getting Butler probably because, you know, Minnesota's going to make the playoffs this year. These are, like, the majority of these guys that we, that, that we mentioned, they don't know anything about being in the postseason, but, you know, Jimmy Butler does. And more importantly, Taj Gibson does as well. And, I mean, these guys, they've made, you know, deep runs to the postseason. And, you know, Fibs, Fibs is going to rely on those guys. So, I mean, I, I, I just look at them. I think that they could be – I, I think that they could be a threat uh, for Golden State. You know, I talked about OKC as well, and I think you know OKC is going to be the perimeter game, but I, I, I don't I don't see them in the same threat as uh, as Minnesota per se because I mean we know that the Thunder can give Golden State all that they can handle. I my biggest thing is, and I and I, I want to get your opinion on this. You got Westbrook, you got PG thirteen, and you got Carmelo. Who's their go to guy? In your opinion, eh, I, I mean, that, that I don't like getting into that because I just feel like that's like a, a media creation. It's, it's Westbrook's mm-hmm. team. That's it. Like they're, they're, they're unequivocally Russell Westbrook. Like all that, who's the go-to guy? It's Russell Westbrook. It was Russell Westbrook when Kevin Durant was there, although it shouldn't have been. It's going to continue to be Russell Westbrook. Paul George, to me, he has flashes, but he's not that guy. If OKC wants to be successful, they don't want Carmelo to be the go-to guy. They want to put the ball in the hand of their best player, their best creator, and let the two guys on the wing of him be where they need to be for when the ball comes to them. So Russell Westbrook is the go-to guy. All that other stuff is good print media, but we know what time it is when it comes to basketball. Honestly, I disagree. I believe that Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, along with Russell Westbrook, pose a bigger threat than Minnesota because of the fact that you have a Melo that can stretch the floor. You have a PG who can stretch the floor. Along, you have a dynamic player in Russell Westbrook. When I look at Minnesota and I, and I look at Golden State, if I'm the Warriors, I'm not scared of Minnesota at all. Minnesota doesn't pose a threat to, to, to Golden State. And then at the same time, can you really trust these guys for the way they constructed is, is Carl Anthony Towns really going to be a factor? We've seen what Golden State does to Biggs in series. Biggs almost become null and void. So I can't – until they find a floor spacer, I can't really put that much faith in Minnesota. I think there's a lot – it's too much hype behind Minnesota. They have no floor spacing, and they have a coach who's still stuck in the 90s when it comes to playing offense, and I, I'm a non-believer. Now, sw- switching gears to the East, though, do you really think that Boston has closed the gap on Cleveland because I mean granted you know Cleveland traded Kyrie Irving to the Celtics but I mean this Cavs team is still loaded you know you still have LeBron I think this is this is his final go around in the east uh, I'm not 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 for saying the east but at least with the Cavs uh you know you bring in his partner in crime and Dwayne Wade uh you still have Kevin Love you know I mean so the talent is still there so I mean has Boston really closed the gap on Cleveland you know this is a tricky question for me. If, 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 when I look at these rosters, and I know better, Cleveland's the better team. But I am on record picking the Boston Celtics to come out of the East. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I, I have no statistical evidence. I have nothing to back this up. I just like I like what Danny Ainge is doing. I like Brad Stevens as a head coach. Just believe that if Brad Stevens could get almost thirty a night out of Isaiah Thomas, now you give him Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, 
Tatum, the kid they just drafted, along with some of the pieces that they already have in place? On paper, no. But then you add the chip on the shoulder of Kyrie Irving. People are running this man into the ground. They're dragging him right now, William. How would you not want to play with LeBron? This and that, this and that. There's something to be said about him wanting to get away from LeBron. It's easy to say it's ego, but the more I do my research and I read body language, body language as you know, you do the same thing I do. Body language right. is key. A lot of times, most communication is nonverbal. He hated playing with LeBron. He hated being marginalized playing with LeBron. I think Kyrie is coming. And I think the fact that they brought in they brought in a lot of backcourt guys, William. But mm-hmm. Wayne Wade is old. Derrick Rose has never been known for playing defense. IT has to be taken off the floor in crunch time because he plays no, he can't play any defense. So now you're asking LeBron, to, on the low, you're asking LeBron to do more. So well, I need to see what sorry, he looks like against really high-level competition. Well, you know, I look at I look at Cleveland, and, you know, as quiet as it's kept, there's a possibility that Isaiah Thomas might be out into the all-star break with that hip injury. And, I mean, at the same time, there's a possibility he might not be the same player again. You know, because, I mean, let's be realistic. A lot of what he does is getting to the basket. And, you know, sometimes this dude, you know, he's reckless with his body in the, in the mode that Allen Iverson used to be. So he has to be. I, yeah, you know, and then, I mean, you talked about Kyrie. And, I mean, you could allude on this more if you have more information than I do. But one story that I did here, uh, and it was from a reputable source, is that, you know, Kyrie got tired of every time he did something, LeBron was comparing him to Dwayne Wade. And that 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 is one story that I that is one story that I heard and it frustrated him. And you know Kyrie will have something to prove. I think what's going to hurt them is I you know they gave up Richard Jefferson and he was one of their, you know, unspoken leaders. I mean, you still have LeBron on this team. Uh you bring in Dwayne Wade, Derrick Rose, I mean, Derrick Rose had an okay season with the New York Knicks last year, but, I mean, he's still not, and he never will be the player that he was, you know, before those knee injuries. But now, to me, I think the problems are already starting for Cleveland because you have a guy in J.R. Smith who is upset that he's not going to be starting anymore because of Dwayne Wade. And, you know, is the Kardashian curse going to catch up with Tristan Thompson? I don't know. But, I mean, these are things that you have to worry about when you look at this team. I do think that they're going to have a guy like Jay Crowder who really has something to prove because he was not thrilled last year when he was with the Celtics when he was hearing all of the noise about them potentially getting Gordon Hayward. And, of course, Gordon Hayward played the same position as him. But I think LeBron is going to try to go out there and rally the troops because I think – I think this is his last year in Cleveland, and I think the writing was on the wall as soon as uh, Dan Gilbert decided not to bring back David Griffin as their as their general manager. And after he, you know, he put a lot of those all of those moves together, you know, to make the Cavs a championship team. But then, I mean, you look at the Celtics. You talked about Gordon Hayward. You talked about Kyrie. Kyrie's going to play with a chip on his shoulder, and I think. Kyrie is better when he doesn't have to be the primary ball handler. Not to say that he won't be a ball handler for Boston, but, I mean, you have a guy like Gordon Hayward who still can be, you know, that ball handler. Boston did give up a little bit of their identity because aside from trading IT4, you know, they also traded Jay Crowder, and now Avery Bradley is with the Detroit Pistons. But then you get Marcus right. Mars in that in that front court. You also still have Al Horford, who's still a solid 15-7 and seven or 15-8 and eight guy, you talked about Jason Tatum very. Hmm? 
Hal yeah, Horford you're right. Benefit yeah, and then you know, I mean, we, you talked about Jason Tatum uh, briefly, and this guy was killing it in summer league. And then on top of that, you know, Jalen Brown was another guy. He was a, this guy was a third pick last year. So mm-hmm. I mean, Boston Boston definitely has a talent there, and I, I I really think that they have closed the gap on Cleveland. I mean, these two teams do meet on opening night. So there. I mean, you should, so I, I mean that's my CTV right there, and I guarantee you. Excuse me. That they they're, they're gonna they're gonna meet in the postseason again. Definitely in the Eastern Conference Finals. I agree, man. It's, agree, it's gonna be man. compelling to watch. You know, I, I just think you know, it's something. To, I'm telling you, you know, we've seen it. We've been watching sports our whole lives. A really mm-hmm. good athlete who chip on his shoulder usually puts up seasons that we'll talk about forever and ever and ever. And I think Kyrie's. And I and, and you know. I think, like I like I said on, on, on a show months back, I think mm-hmm. imagine now you're you're a, you're a number one draft pick. You know, William Martin gets drafted to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He signs an extension. LeBron comes back, bumps him to the side, right? Initially, LeBron said, I'm coming to be off the ball more. But then he realized that he can't function without the ball. But that's another conversation for another day. So now you have... William Martin playing a position that he's not accustomed to, which is shooting guard. Kyrie, and, and then on top of that, people start to label you as a one-dimensional player when in reality you never got to flesh your game out because you had to be nuzzled into a role to play next to LeBron. And then the finals roll around. You isolate the unanimous MVP. You hit the game with a shot of the finals. But then nobody even comes and comes and talks to you. They go to LeBron and he's talking about Cleveland. This is for you. While William is there, like, but I hit the shot over Seth. What about me? Then the very next season, every time there's a problem, LeBron needs help. LeBron needs help. He needs this guy. He needs that guy. While William Martin is averaging 25 a night, doing with 25 and six, but he's selfish, guys. 25 and six, one-dimensional player. I'd want to leave too. Well, there had to be a lot under the surface, and it might not come out for a few years because LeBron's probably gone after this year. And, I mean, for Kyrie, you know, for Kyrie to be like, you know what, I can't take it anymore, there really there really had to be a lot under the surface for that. I look at a guy like Kyrie, you know, it was, it was it's, it's very interesting because I, I've said this about Kyrie Irving, even going back to his days at Duke. You know, he's a point guard in a two-guard's body. And you know LeBron, Le- LeBron, LeBron wanted to go back there. You know, team with Kyrie, they were able to orchestrate the trade. You know, to get Kevin Love uh, from Minnesota. You know, to make their uh, to make their new uh, big three. And I mean, it looked like you know it was all it was all love. No, no pun intended. And you know, yeah. Kyrie, Kyrie was just a little brother uh, to LeBron. But I mean, sometimes. It just, you know, it just doesn't happen like that. And there was, there was a lot of dysfunction there. And, I mean, granted, you know, the Cavs, the Cavs have been to the finals three straight years. But not to take anything away from them, but let's go back to 2016 and let's go back to, to see everything that had to go right for them in order for them to pull off that comeback versus the Warriors. Draymond Green got right. suspended. Andrew Bogut got hurt. Andre Iguodala got hurt. You know, it took a lot, you know, for them to get that championship. And, you know, we see the type of dysfunction that teams that don't win titles uh, have. 
And, you know, speaking right. of that dysfunction, and I, and I want to get your opinion on this, there's a team in the Eastern Conference that I, I, I don't think that they're going to be a playoff team this year. And you're probably going to laugh when you hear this, and that's the New York Knicks. And, I mean, the Knicks, they've been, they've been a train wreck for the longest time. I think that's something that you and I can easily agree upon. And I, I said it last year on several occasions. You have an owner in James Dolan. You had a team president in Phil Jackson. You had a head coach in Jeff Hornacek. And then you had your best player in Carmelo Anthony. None of these guys were on the same page. So we're talking about your head coach, your owner, your team president, your best player not on the same page. Of course you're not going to win. And, you know, in typical New York Knicks fashion, this squad turned around. You had a, a Carmelo Anthony who, you know, Phil Jackson was the one who gave this guy the extension, and then he tried to old bait and switch with him in order for him to waive his no-trade clause after he gave him this extension with the no-trade clause, and he couldn't get it done. Then, you know, Carmelo let everybody know, I don't want to be there anymore. And the Knicks – you know, called up the Cavs last year because that was one of the teams that Carmelo was willing to waive his no-trade floor. And, you know, they wanted a straight-up deal with Kevin Love, and I'm sure that there was a lot of laughter coming from the Cavs on that from, uh, on that deal. They had a trade on the table to send Carmelo to the Clippers, and then, of course, Doc Rivers messed that up because he didn't want to trade his son. And then, you know, they basically did not want to trade Carmelo. And then they finally realized, well, training camp is about to start. We don't want this to be a distraction. And, you know, they pick up Doug McDermott and Ennis Cantor from Carmelo, for Carmelo from, o- from OKC. And I'm like, I'm not taking anything away from Doug McDermott or Ennis Cantor. I think they're good players. But it's one of those trades that when you're listening to the details, you're like, okay, and what's next? And then when you find out that that's all they got, you're like, you got to be kidding me. I really think the Knicks slapped themselves in the foot by not getting more back for Carmelo. Yeah, he's no longer there. And, I mean, it's, it's Porzingis' team now. But I think that the train wreck and the embarrassment at Madison Square Garden continues this season. Look, man, it's, it's the Knicks. <laughs> if things don't go wrong, then it won't be the Knicks way. So, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't necessarily knock them for being themselves. You know, that, I can't double mm-hmm. down. Of course the Knicks will get this wrong. But then again, they're not completely to blame. Carmelo should have never resigned in the first place. I've been saying exactly. that since he came back. The, the irony of it is, is that the Bulls, the Bulls had a team ready for him to win or at least contend better than he was with the Knicks. And you had yes. a, a slightly younger Joe Kim Noah, slightly younger Derrick Rose. And you said no because you wanted that super max at the time, the 125 or whatever. Yeah. Only for the Knicks to then bring the Bulls to you, albeit an older set of Bulls. <laughs> you, brought, yeah. you brought Rose and Noah to Mello. You could have went to Houston, right? And been yeah. playing with James Harden. And Jeremy Lin. They probably would have moved Lin. But you could have been playing with James Harden out west when it was slightly easier before Golden State became godlike. Yep. But you chose the money. The same thing happened when he came to the Knicks. He chose the money, William. He could have just waited. He could have waited and probably got a year less and a few, maybe about $20 million less. But, you know, we could laugh at $20 million when it comes to the NBA, but it's a lot of money. But if he just waits and signs with the Knicks outright, 
that Knicks team was a pretty decent team to watch. Ray Felton, Danilo Gallinari, Wilson Chandler, stats, so on and so forth. But he wanted the max deal, and he wanted the Knicks. He didn't want it to compromise anyway. So now you you got a depleted Knicks team, and the Chauncey Bullets got hurt. All right, the next year they have a, 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 a supremely special year. But I always felt like they were playing above their heads because the very next year and every year since that special year they won the Atlantic Division, they've missed the playoffs. Why? Because this guy wants to be the star, wants to have the money, but never wants to make the right basketball move as a free agent. You should have left him in You shouldn't have come the way you came. You keep getting it wrong while D-Wade wins, while CP wins, while LeBron wins. You constantly lose. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, yeah, I, I mean, nothing really good happens uh, when you go to MSG, and it's been like that for a long right. time, and it's sad. I mean, I thought it was a mistake when the Knicks uh, acquired Carmelo from Denver because you look at what they gave up to get him, and then on top of that, I really didn't think that, you know, Carmelo fit the system of Mike D'Antoni. And on top of that, I really thought that Donnie Walsh, you know, was building something you know, with uh, with the Knicks at the time, and he really was. And I, I think the biggest problem with the Knicks over the years, out of so many problems, and I think it's something that, you know, the Brooklyn Nets are having a problem with as well right now, they want that quick fix. And you're not going to get a quick fix in the NBA unless you know that you're going to sign a guy like Kevin Durant. You're going to sign a guy like LeBron James in free agency. Right. Um, unless you're, unless you're going to get one of those guys, you're not going to get that quick fix. And you got to well, develop wait, let's the not, draft. Let's not kick the Nets. The Nets did okay. Considering the situation of what Billy King put them in, the fact that you got a young player and a couple of decent expiring deals, I'm not going to put the mm-hmm. Knicks in the, in, in the Nets category. Like I'm not going to do that tonight. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean, well, the thing with the Nets is, I mean, you look at that pick. That pick has been passed around, and it might continue to be passed mm-hmm. around. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's property of Cleveland right now. My biggest beef with the Nets was this. All right, you trade – I mean, you get D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov, but then you trade your best player in Brooke Lopez, and I know his contract is expiring next summer. I think they could have got a little bit more for Brooke Lopez. And then on top of that, they gave up a pick to – uh, the Lakers for that, and that was a pick that they got from Washington to uh, to send Bogdan Bogdanovich down there. And honestly, I mean, if you're in the Nets, you really need to have as many picks as possible. You really can't, you know, be in the in, in the department of giving up picks anymore. And I mean, it's sad because the Nets are probably going to have the worst record in the NBA again next season. And for the second consecutive year, we're talking about this team not even owning a pick. So, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, be- between the Knicks and Nets. They'll probably win 50 games, and I think the Knicks will win 32 of those. 32? You got the Knicks down for 32 wins? Yeah, well, you got you got more or you got less? <laughs> it's less. The Knicks are, the Knicks are going to top out at 25 wins, man. 25. Wow. Wow. Okay. 25 okay. wins. Okay. Chris so, Dobbs so, is good, uh, but is Chris, mm-hmm. is Chris Dobbs good enough for 35? You said it was 30 wins? 30 wins or 35? I said 32. 32. 32 because, wins? Because, mm. because I, I, I say between the Knicks and Nets, they win 50. So that means the Nets are only going to win 18. Wow. I think yeah. the Nets are better than the Knicks, William. I think the Nets, the Nets have way more useful pro basketball players and a D'Angelo Russell free of Laker repression 
and 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 Julius Randle and a system that doesn't fit his skill set, and a system now that does fit his skill set, along with Jeremy Lin and along with the pieces that they've brought in, I think they're going to be better than the Knicks. The Knicks, who do they have? The French Crawler as their point guard and and, and well, overpaid and, and, Hardaway. And, 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 well, you know, and Frank Ntilikina, he already got hurt already, and I, I really problem. think, yeah, and I, I think the biggest thing <laughs> that, that's, that's going to really overshadow his career is the fact that you look at some of the guys that went after him in the draft that the Knicks could exactly. use. Exactly, Malik you know, Monk, Dennis, Dennis Smith. You know, right, and I mean, people are already talking about Dennis Smith Jr. as like being a potential rookie of the year because he's been tearing it up. You know, for Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I think that's one of, going to be one of those infamous Nick deals. We've seen it throughout the years where you know they pass on a guy, and uh, the rest is history. I think that's really I think that's going to come back to to, to uh, haunt them. But um, let me ask you, Philadelphia Seventy mm-hmm. Sixers, are you drinking the Kool Aid? No. First of all, the pro- the process needs to play at least fifty games. He did a lot of talking yeah. on Twitter this past weekend. The the white mm-hmm. side who's been who's been available, huh? This guy has mm-hmm. only played what thirty one games in his entire career. And that was all last year. I need to see it. I need to see. Right. I need to see. I like Ben Simmons a lot. I need to see Ben mm-hmm. Simmons ball out. Already, people are already down on Markel Fultz, and it's only been the preseason in summer league. So, I'm not. I, I you know what? I'm the type of person. I need to see it. I'm never going to buy into hype unless it's high-end players. If you're talking high-end players coming together, to me, talent trumps everything. But if it's a young team who has done nothing with a superstar, allegedly, who's only played 31 games in his career, stop it. Let's pump the brakes. Let's see it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I I need to see Joel Embiid play a little bit more. I mean, granted, when he was out there, he was a force. Uh, But, you know, 31 games, I'm I'm not drinking a goose. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not drinking the Kool Aid because they gotta, they, these guys, they gotta show that they can do it for a full, uh, 82 games. And I mean, it's crazy because exactly. you know, the, to me, I think the dynamics of the Eastern Conference have changed because you got the Celtics and Cavs, they're gonna compete for that top spot, and then you got, right. you got the Raptors, and I, I really think Toronto's, uh, Toronto's good, but they, they've never been good enough to get over that hump because. You know, you have Kyle Lowry and you have DeMar DeRozan, but you're not going to get any consistent front court scoring from Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka. You know, then you look at the Wizards. I mean, you got John Wall and you got Brad Beal. And, I mean, they were phenomenal last year. And, honestly, they should have beaten the Celtics. You know, they they beat themselves uh, in, in, yes, in that series. You know, and, I mean, then after that, I mean – Detroit, I look at the Pistons. I think they can – I think they'll be a playoff team. But my biggest thing with them is, at some point, I think Stan Van Gundy trades Reggie Jackson. I don't know why he gave him $18 million a year. He's not He's not a point guard that fits his system. Indiana, I think, could be sneaky good, and I mean good enough to be a playoff team because they got something back for Paul George when they traded him to the Thunder. But, I mean, Charlotte, Dwight Howard, I, I'm not sold on him anymore. I, I, and even when he was in his prime, I really wasn't sold on him. Atlanta's rebuilding. I don't know what Orlando's doing. Miami, I mean, <laughs> they missed out on Gordon Hayward. So, I mean, they were a long shot to get him in the first place. So, I really think it's going to be come down to Boston and Cleveland, man. I, yeah. I, yeah. That's the NBA in a nutshell. We already know what the Eastern Conference Finals is going to look like. 
the hope is that before we get to the conference finals in the East, that the semifinal series give you some kind of theater, you know? And it all depends mm-hmm. on matchups. Because I felt as though if Washington would have had home court and had a little more experience behind them, and they would have gotten a chance to play Cleveland, they wouldn't have been ran off the court the way Boston was. I just feel yes, though they have yes, a, they yes, have two yes, really yes. high end wing players in Bradley Bill mm-hmm. and John Wall, who to me are vastly underrated and can put amounts of pressure. To me, they they're almost built like a Western Conference team: big guards, athletic bigs, get up and down the floor, can get physical when necessary, can finesse when necessary. To me, they're the, they're the dark horse in the Eastern Conference. Like if I'm Boston or Cleveland, I don't want to be the two seed because I don't want to deal with them in the second round because they're going to be a hard out. But that's, yeah, that's, they're going to be the annoying team. Yeah, they, I mean they're they're not going any place. You know, one team, you know, we forgot to mention, you know, very uh, quickly, like about five and a half minutes left, is uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, this is a team right, right here. They're still trying to figure it out because I really like, at least for them, I would love to see, you know, them just operate a two, three zone all season long. Cause nobody would score 75 points against them due to their length. <laughs> and it's crazy. They make the playoffs when Jabari, when Jabari Parker's hurt, but you know, they don't when he's there. And I mean, you have the Greek freak who, you know, Kevin Durant is already saying this guy's going to be the best player in the league. You have all of that size with the likes of Don Maker, you know, Greg Monroe, he's either, he's either on or he's not. You have Malcolm Brogdon. You have Chris Middleton. There's so much talent there for Milwaukee, man. That's a team, if they could ever figure it out, I mean, they could be so dangerous, man. You know what it is? This this game of basketball could be so fickle. You know, it is a talent league in in the NBA, but sometimes the pieces have to fit. You know, you mentioned that whole Jabari Parker thing, but it's like when 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 you run your team and you run your offense, sometimes guys get in each other's way. You know, if Jabari right. Parker needs to be the best Jabari Parker he can be, how does that affect the Greek freak? You get what I'm saying? Right. So it's just like right. for these guys to play at the peak of their abilities, one of them can't play together. Because if you want Apex Greek freak, you don't want him worrying about Jabari Parker getting his touches because Jabari Parker is not necessarily – you know some guys, they're good enough to where you got to give them the touches, like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. D-Wade was right. good enough to where LeBron could acquiesce and, and give him those touches. No offense to Jabari Parker. Everybody's not going to be D-Wade. But you, but you don't want the Greek freak acquiescing for a guy who's not better than him or at least on his tier. Right. You need, if you have this guy now in, in Asakumpo, you want shooters. You want a useful big. You know, when he's, when he's playing up top, he can throw those lobs to. When he's driving, to kick out to. Jabari Parker is a mid-range shooter. And, and you know, he's occasional on a three-point shot, which is why, I, you know, I, I see what you're talking about in terms of Jabari Parker being out and then kind of being better. Right. But I think, you know, if the Greek freak ascends to the level that people think he's going to ascend to, he could put that team on his back, and they, could do, they can be a pesky team. That's the word I'll use for them, pesky, annoying. <laughs> they don't have enough high-end talent to be contenders, but they're not going to be an easy out. Oh, they, there you have it, man. And with, uh, with just about three minutes left, man, first and foremost, as always, you know, it's a pleasure to have you on here, man. And, you know, no doubt. people don't – if people don't listen to Ray Jarvis, you always check him out on the Above the Rim podcast. How often are you doing that, man? Um, the Above the Rim podcast, I guess, that's Justin's show. I, I, okay. I'm, I'm on there. I contribute to that. But my podcast, the gray area, each and every – well, not each and every. Every other Thursday I drop that. 
Um, if something happens in, in the sports world that needs me to talk about it, I hop on Facebook Live. But if you want my real, you know, thought-out opinions fleshed out, the gray areas where you can find me on iTunes, on Blog Talk Radio, just type in the gray area or just search Ray Jarvis, and you'll find me both ways. All right, there you have it from the man. And as always, Ray, it's been, you know, a pleasure. You know, I appreciate your insight. And, listen, don't be a stranger, man, because, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, a lot of action in the NBA as the uh, as the season progresses, man, you know you always you know you always have tremendous insight, man. And I definitely want to have you back on here soon, man. Likewise, man. You know, you know, I'm always lingering. I I, I strike when when the iron is hot. You know. Well, that you know that's how cobras do, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh you know, man, William, man, it, it, it's good, yo. We, I'm gonna have you on the gray area soon. I got season two about to jump off in a couple of weeks. I'm gonna flesh out an episode for you to come on, man. We we, we got to talk a little bit more. We got to talk right, about the Giants man. too. I'm I'm calling in for for the next football re- recap because I got a lot to say about the New York Football Giants. <laughs> well, definitely, man. Trust me, not a. Well, you know, you know, that's a segue to uh, you know, to uh, give the preview for the uh, next show, and that's gonna be uh, Sunday at nine. Uh, six Pacific, you know, I'll be uh, recapping week number seven. And this week I'll actually have the chance to talk about the Giants because, uh, of course, last night, you know, they were on Sunday Night Football and they got their right. uh, first victory of the season against the Broncos. So, obviously, <laughs> uh, I did not cover them. But, you know, you, you folks can check out that show. You know, Ray just alluded to the Above the Rim podcast as well as the gray area on iTunes and blogtalkradio.com. You check me out on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com. I put up my Northwest Division projections for the upcoming NBA season today, and I'll have the rest of my projections for this, for the uh, uh, other five divisions as well as the playoff projections this week. Much love to my wonderful daughter, Penelope, who is getting ready to celebrate her first birthday tomorrow. And, you know, it's been a great process, you know, to see her develop. And as always, much love to my wonderful wife, 150 pounds of sports knowledge. Now, if you're on Twitter, ah. check me out at 300 pounds of sports. And like I always say, you follow me and I'll follow you right back. You can check me out on 300 pounds of sports knowledge on Facebook. And it's a good page. We got some good things going. And, Ray, very quickly with uh, uh, 14 seconds left, man, give them your handle on Twitter so people can uh, link up with you, man. On Twitter, Chet underscore O'Hara, C-H-E-T underscore O-H-A-R-A. And there you have, folks. Take care and have a good one.